We're coming from Matthew 16 this morning, verses uh, 16 through 19. And if you would, just open your smart device this morning. Miss Amanda was running around making all this other stuff happen this morning, so we didn't get to get the text put in. But Matthew chapter 16, and I'm going to start in verse 16. We're going to go down to verse 19, and we'll be done. We are continuing in our series, New Doors. And today I want to talk to you about doors that have keys. Come on, somebody. Here we go. Matthew 16, verse 16 says this. Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. Do y'all remember what's going on in this set of the text there in Matthew 16? Jesus is asking the disciples, he says, who do men say that I am? And they get to talking and saying, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're this, and some say you're that. Come on, watch out what some say. <laughs> but then Simon Peter jumps up and blurts out, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my father who is in heaven and I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates. Y'all remember we talked about gates. Gates are another way of saying a door, right? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, here we go. And I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. Where's the kingdom from heaven? And I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Father, bless the reading of your word. Help us today, God, as we dive into this thing. And help me to articulate it, God, and honor you with the word. Father, we worship you. And we give you all the praise and glory for what's taking place in the house so far. And what will take place as we move forward. In Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. 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 Touch your neighbor. Tell them, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So last week we talked about knocking. Y'all remember the name of the sermon? I hear a knock. Come on, somebody. Then we got to knocking at the end of last week's service. Amen. And I talked about how a knock is simply a means to get somebody's attention on the other side of a door, right? Or a barrier. And for us, what we are teaching, we're talking about doors being opportunities. Let me just say that real quick and catch up our guests and visitors for the day. What a door is, is an opportunity. God creates opportunities. He does not seize them. So God creates an opportunity or he puts a door in front of you. Then it is up to you whether you will seize that opportunity and walk through the door. Amen. And so Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. Jesus said, ask, seek, and knock. So we talked about Jesus wants us to ask, meaning that Jesus wants us to pray. Jesus wants us to seek. Remember, we talked about that. Uh, God is the creator of the game hide and seek. Amen. He, he loves a seeker. He loves to be found. It actually lets him know that you care for him, that you love him, that you're after him, that you're pursuing him. Remember, we, we equated that to marriage. In a marriage, your spouse wants to be pursued healthily. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be chased. The chase is over. But a healthy pursuit is a good thing in a marriage. Amen. And so we talked about asking and seeking, and then we talked about Jesus said knock, and we talked about that the two types of knock are praise and hunger. Come on, your praise is something that can get God's attention. Your hunger is something that can get God's attention. Amen. So we talked 
about the knock. And we talked about Jesus. There's a time where Jesus knocks as well from Revelation chapter 3. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And the context of that scripture is where he was knocking on the hearts or the doors of the people who had become lukewarm. Amen. And we had countless people in the church that admitted, amen, to to being and living a lukewarm lifestyle, and they repented from that. And we got to an incredible place and got to worship and praise the Lord after that. Amen. Wasn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome to be a part of a church where we can be transparent, we can be real with one another, and then we can get to a good place? You know, that's an encouraging thing to know that uh, because people look at that that, scripture and we kind of use it to cut at people and talk about lukewarm and lukewarm this and lukewarm that. But the scripture is is a really good thing because Jesus came knocking on the door and said, repent and stop doing this. He didn't have to do that. Come on, somebody. He didn't have to do that, but he came and he did that anyway. So it helps gets us to a place of repentance. Amen. So I talked about how some doors in the physical are a reflection of what is going on in the spiritual. Amen. Some doors are presence doors, meaning, you know, like the doors at the grocery store, Walmart, you walk up to them and then they open. Come on, in the spirit realm, those are those predestined, predetermined, preplanned doors that God has for you. Those are the works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. Amen. We talked about some doors have to be pushed open. Some doors come with enemies some doors come with a knock and here we are with the doors that have keys some doors you don't get through them if you do not have the keys amen can I just say this there are some things in the kingdom realm that are locked up and God doesn't need you to pray about it he just needs you to get your key out let me say that again I said there's some things in the kingdom of God that he doesn't need you to pray about He just needs you to pull out your key. Did you read the text? Did you hear the text in the beginning of our message today? He said, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. So keys unlock things. Come on. I'm writing an entire book right now on the keys to the kingdom. And so in this message today, we're probably going to split this up into two because I done ran out of time already. But I'll split this up into two messages where we talk about the keys of the kingdom of God. Amen. And so I'm writing this book. So I'm going to give you pieces of each chapter in this book that I'm writing right now. So Jesus hands us the keys. But can I tell you, it's up to you what you would do with those keys. The thing about a key is that it does you no good until you put it to use or until you know what it locks and unlocks. Can I just say this uh, ashamedly? I've got keys on my key. I have no idea what they go to. And you do, too. Don't look at me crazy. But I, I, got, I have no idea what they go to because I've just collected them over the years. And can I tell you that those keys are doing me no good? Why? Because I don't know what they unlock. I, I have no idea what they unlock. So let me give you key number one. And this key is a master key. And it's the key of obedience. If you're taking notes, write this down. One word, obedience. You know what a master key is or does, right? It's one key that unlocks many things. It's one key that unlocks many things. I dare to say that the kingdom key of obedience is tied to all of the other keys that I'm going to give you today and over the next couple of weeks. Because watch this. If you don't obey what's being taught with these keys, you'll never gain access to use what's on the other side of the door. Oh, come on, somebody. Y'all know that famous Deuteronomy text that we love to quote and speak, especially in Pentecostal circles. Come on, somebody. 
Come on, I'm blessed in the city and I'm blessed in the country. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. I'm the lender, not the bar, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. God says, I'll bless your vats, your barns, and your vineyards. Your enemies will come at you one way. They'll scatter seven different ways. I'll bless you. I'll protect you. No nation will be like you, and you will be called great. You know, we like to quote those scriptures, especially in backgrounds that I come from. But can I help us today, this morning, my friends? There is a condition tied to that promise, and it's in verse 1. It says, if you diligently obey the Lord, then all of these things will come to fruition. If you are careful to obey my commands and you do not put any idols before me, these promises shall come true. And when you do that, you qualify yourself to walk in these promises from the Lord. You want to know what the problem is with today's church? We like to quote the scriptures but then we don't like to walk in obedience and it's real quiet in this Pentecostal church come on we like to quote those scriptures we know how to quote them we know how to talk about them and we can say them off the top of our head but there's one small problem with that see if you don't walk in obedience you'll get in your mind and in your head that God is a liar when you're quoting those things but ain't none of it coming to pass come on you'll end up getting frustrated with the good God who has given you those promises but there is a condition to those promises God says when you obey me you can be blessed going in and blessed coming out come on somebody when you walk in my my decrees and you walk in my commands and and you listen to me and you obey me then you can be blessed in the city and blessed in the country come on somebody you can be blessed going in and blessed coming out come on you can be blessed over there in Unionville come on and blessed over here in Shelbyville come on you can be blessed over there in Hillsboro and be blessed in Manchester come on somebody I'm trying to tell you that God wants to bless you but there's one key ingredient that you need to be operating in and that is that key ingredient called obedience and it's not just an ingredient it's a key and that key can and unlock a blessed life unto you. And if you will walk in obedience to the things that God has for you, you can walk in a blessed life. Can, can I just say this? That God wants to bless you. This ain't just about a, a prosperity gospel or whatever you want. By the way, prosperity is not a cuss word. Prosperity is a good thing. I said this a couple of weeks ago. We as Christians and believers are supposed to be feeding the hungry and clothing the poor. How do you do that if you're stuck there? I'm going to let that sink. Like it just what we as believers sometimes we get the gospel is simple, y'all. We complicate this stuff. We want to go deep and get deep into theology and stuff. And like, and I get it like, yes, we need to be studied up. Yes, we need to know the word. But don't go so deep that you can't be, that, that, that you can't be relatable. Don't go so deep that, 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 that people can't relate to you. Don't go so deep that you turn the easy thing and make it into a hard thing. This is what the Pharisees did. Jesus says, y'all take a proselyte and you make him twice a son of hell as you are. Because you try to teach him all this crazy. You want to go deep and you want to make this barrier and that barrier and this rule and that rule and you're missing the basic principles of the kingdom you're complicating things so key number one is obedience we want to live the blessed life don't we come on but God says you need to be obedient 
It's so sad because I talk to so many people and they're like, well, I, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Uh, let me tell you what God wants you to do. Just read his word and walk in obedience to what his word says and what he wants you to do. Come on, somebody. Just open up that Bible and do what he says. Come on. I don't know how to function in my relationships. Well, the Bible says just keep it holy. Come on, somebody. I don't know why my finances are all jacked up. Well, the Bible says tithe and give offerings. Come on, somebody. I, I don't know why my friendships keep falling apart. Well, stop being a jerk and treat others as you would want them to treat you. Come on, somebody. Why do I feel condemnation and like God isn't forgiving me? Well, because you're holding a grudge. You haven't forgiven the individuals who you need to forgive. There's bitterness and resentment and chaos and struggle in your heart. And you wonder why you keep feeling condemned. Come on. If we would just listen and obey the Bible, I'm telling you, things could shift. Yeah. Come on, I'm trying to tell you that God is looking for some obedient people so that he can bless some people. Come on. Obedience is a kingdom key that unlocks the blessing of God. I, I see so many Christians that are being jealous and being petty of other believers who are living a blessed life. And maybe maybe you ain't walking in that level of favor and blessing because you won't be obedient to the last thing that God told you to do. Ain't, ain't no reason to be jealous. Come on. God is no respecter of persons. Maybe you're not walking in the level of favor or maybe you're not walking in, in, in that level that that person is because you will not be obedient and walk in obedience to the things that God's called you to. Come on. The person who walks in obedience has access to a kingdom key. And what they unlock is a blessed life. What they unlock is blessed going in and blessed going out. Come on. Blessed in the city and blessed in the country. What they unlock is being the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. Come on. I'm trying to tell you that obedience is a kingdom key this morning. There's a blessing on the other side of a door. And God doesn't need you to pray about it. He just needs you to be obedient. And if you'll be obedient, you gain access to the key automatically. And then you could put the key in the door and you walk on the other side of the door. Come on. Is there anybody ready to walk in obedience? If that's you, I wish you'd make a little noise. Yeah. The organ's back, y'all. I got shot with lightning after the first time I preached with it. But it's coming back. He's warming up. He's warming up. Ah, main key number two is this, love. Come on, slap your neighbor across the head and tell him I love you. <laughs> Watch this now. Jesus says that the entire law and the prophets stand on this. They stand on love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So love is something that unlocks and gives you access to the entire kingdom of God. Y'all better pay attention to what I'm telling you right now. Love is a kingdom key that gives you access to the entire kingdom of God. First love God and it will reciprocate and trickle down for your love for mankind and then you can love your brother and your sister in the Lord. A love that is vertical can automatically turn horizontal. Come on. Love God first. Jesus says if you love me you will obey my commands. Oh there it is. There's a key that gives you access to another key. Can I just tell you you can't obey the things of God if you don't love God. If you love God you will walk out automatically and bipartisan in the obedience of God. Come on, somebody. 
when you actually love God, you do not want to do things that break his heart. Now, I'm not preaching a message of perfection, but I'm just telling you that when you actually love God and you get into sin and you get into trouble and you get into doing things that you know you have no business doing, your love for God will have you cringing on the inside. Come on. Your love for God will say, I cannot stay here. I'm here right now, but I can't stay here. Come on, somebody. I can't stay here. Where are my worship team folk at? We've got to go deeper in the things of God. We've got to grow in our love for God because when we grow in our love for God, it will grow a level of obedience. And when you walk in a level of obedience, you unlock a blessed life. Come on. Your love for your master and your savior has you doing the things that he's called you to do. If you love me, you obey my commands. Now watch this. I want to teach you something. And y'all who've been here for a while, you've heard me say this a bunch. Love is not a feeling. Do not let society lie to you. It's not a feeling. Come on. Sometimes when you're married, you're going to have to stay till the feeling comes back. <laughs> love, love isn't a feeling. He says, if you love me, you obey my commands. When Jesus makes that statement, he automatically shifts it to the, your actions. He shifts it to your actions. He, uh, let me help you again. He says, love your enemy. You're never going to feel like loving your enemy. The question is, will you do it? Will you display the action of love to people who have betrayed you, to people who have hurt you, to people who have said wicked and evil things about you, to people who have put knives in your back? Will you display the action of love? Love is not a feeling. It is an action. Amen. Oh, gosh. Lock, ushers, lock the doors. I'm giving them the next one. Lock the doors. Watch this, your next key. So we've talked about obedience. We've talked about love. Now watch this. Here's another kingdom key. This is a key that unlocks something in the kingdom of God, and it's this, the tithe and the offering. The tithe and the offering. Let me just say that. Do you know that you don't have to pray about your finances? Period. You do not have to pray about your finances. Finances are seed. God made a decree in Genesis chapter 1 that a seed will always produce after its own kind. It is a decree and a command that he made. He can't even go back on it. If I plant an apple seed, guess what I'm going to get? An apple tree. Come on, somebody. It will only produce after its own kind. You have three kinds of seed in your life. You have seeds of your words. You have seeds of your actions. And then you have seeds of resources. And so if you need a financial breakthrough, you don't even have to pray about it. You just need to get seed in the ground. Oh, come on. I knew it was going to get quiet in here. I'm going to preach it anyways. Malachi 3 verse, uh, 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 I'm going to start at 6. Watch this. Now I'm going to help some people today. For I am the Lord and I do not change. Touch a neighbor and tell him he didn't stop. He didn't change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob, yet the days from the days of your father you have gone away from my ordinances and you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, in what way shall we return? This is God speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. 
But you say, in what way have we robbed you? And he responds, in tithes and in offerings, you are cursed with a curse. For you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring the tithes into the storehouse. When he says storehouse for us today, this means where you get fed. I am a firm believer that where you get fed is where you should tithe. I've had people try to bring me their tithe to BTB. I said, uh-uh, I didn't feed you. You need to take that back to your home church. You want to bring an offering here, bring an offering here, but you don't tithe. To, you tithe into the local church that feeds you. Amen. So that there may be food in my house. And he said, watch you. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I don't open for you the windows of he- the doors of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake so that he will not destroy your fruit, so that he will not destroy your finances. Amen. For your sakes. Nor shall the vine fail or bear fruit in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says. Who wants to be a delightful land? Anybody want to be a delightful land? Come on. You, you, from the dust you came into the dust you shall return. You a dirt bag. Come on, somebody. You a piece of land. Watch this. This is the context of the scripture. I went up to verse 6 because I want to give you the context. I want to make sure I give you the context of the scripture. He's about to go silent for 400 years. And he uses one of his last statements before he goes silent for 400 years. From Malachi to John the Baptist, there's a 400-year gap where God don't say a thing (laughs) until John the Baptist comes. And he uses one of his last words in this 400-year gap to tell you, I'm God, I do not change, bring the tithe and the offering into the storehouse. Sounds like it might be important to God. Amen. Amen. Let me just say this. God uses God uses our finances in the physical in the physical realm to see what he can trust us with in the spiritual realm. Paul breaks it down like this. First comes the physical and then comes the spiritual. And he says, "Will a man rob God yet you have robbed me?" I didn't say that, y'all. God said that. You are cursed. This is God. You are cursed with a curse when you don't tithe. There is, a, there is a curse on our finances, me included, me included. Pastor, don't ever ask you to do a thing that I'm not willing to do myself and that I don't do myself. But, but this, can I just help us today? By the way, this is to help you. This is to help. God's going to take care of us. God's going to take care of this church. Why? Because we got seed in the ground. We give to this community. We give to people in need. I give to people in need. Me and Kelsey, that's one thing Kelsey and I won't budge on. So, so hear me out. This ain't to slap nobody across the head and get you to pull out your wallet. I'm trying to help you because the Bible is teaching us that when you don't do this, there is a curse on your finances. This is why you make good money, but you can't figure out why it won't stretch. So some of us make good money, but we can't figure out where it even goes. And, and by the end of the month, it's, what in the world? What has happened? But some of us, we have a curse. Let me say, cursed things can't prosper. It's impossible for a cursed thing to prosper. Amen. This is good news for us because God is giving us a key. There is a ton of things that we need to pray about. But I'm going to tell you right now, your finances aren't one of them. Me and Kelsey don't pray about finances. She's looking at me like, I prayed to sell a house the other day. What you talking about? <laughs> we don't really pray about finances. Why? Because we're tithers and we're givers. 
If I need a financial breakthrough where I'm believing God for something, I don't pray about it. I go pull money out of my bank account, and I go put a seed in another ministry and in the ground, and I watch God provide for me. Why? Because he said, test me in this. That's the only scripture you will ever find that he says to test him in this. Amen. This is a key that unlocks supernatural provision. Y'all okay? All right, I'm done. We all lived through it. See, we made it. It's good. It's okay. Praise the Lord. Man, key, this, here's another key, trust. This is a kingdom key, trust. Luke 16, if you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest in great responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, oh, snap. What did I tell you? I told you earlier that he uses the physical things to test you about the spiritual things. So he says, if you're untrustworthy in the worldly stuff, who would trust you with the riches of heaven? I'm teaching real good, or the words teaching real good. I'm just reading. And if you are not faithful with what is other people's, why should you be trusted with your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will either hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved by money. (laughs) Trust is a kingdom key that God uses to unlock more to you. And I'm going to touch on this real quick, and I'm not going to stay here, but I'm touching on this because this is fresh on our mind. Jesus, here he is talking about money again. Jesus talked about hell and money and the kingdom. You go to a Jesus conference, those were the three points he was going to hit. Hell and money, the two things the church won't talk about. And then we wonder why we broke. And celebrities got to send millions of dollars when natural disasters happen. And the church will send some diapers and some bottled waters. But we don't make a real difference because people won't give. And you understand that it shows spiritual immaturity when you do that. What does a child do? Mine, 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 mine. (laughs) All right. So he's instructing all of us here about money because as human beings, we have a love for money, which you better be careful with that, by the way. Because here's the thing. God knows that you need money to survive. You do understand that, right? Not a sparrow falls out of the sky that he doesn't know about, and he takes care of you better than them. Uh, A flower that's in a field wasn't dressed as Solomon, as good as Solomon in all of his splendor, and it is thrown in a fire tomorrow. Come on. God knows that you have needs, and he will take care of you. But you can't have a great love for him and have a great love for money. Those things don't mix. So are you getting what Jesus is saying here? He says, if I could trust you with the worldly or wealth possessions, I can give you true riches. Amen. God uses money to test you to see where you're actually at. If you love money in your heart, you'll despise God and his word and also the man of God who tells you that a little piece of it belongs to God. Can can I give you, I'm going to give you a barometer to tell you if you love money or not. As I was speaking about this, if you cringed on the inside of you and you said, here he goes again. You got something on the inside of you that you need to deal with today. 
Think about that. This, it's a barometer. It's a, it's a way that God can see how much you really care about him. Because everything comes from him. 100, every good gift comes from God. So the fact that you're able to get up and go to work and have a job and provide for you and yours is because of God. The fact that you have a savings account is because of God. The fact that you've got all of your extremities and you can get up and go to work and you're healthy and you could do it, it's because of God. So 100% of it belongs to him. And he says, just give me the 10. And then he, it's crazy because he says, give me the 10. And then he says, I'm going to bless you when you do it. It's crazy. It's a crazy good deal. You also know this. God doesn't give you any instruction on the other 90. You can do whatever you want with it. You can do whatever you want with it. I encourage you. Now, Proverbs says don't live above your means. Because here, oh, yeah, I better say this. Help me, Holy Ghost. Don't, don't go blaming God when you won't read Proverbs and understand that you don't need to live above your means. Because some of us will tithe and then we're like, well, I can't figure out where the rest of this money's going. You up to debt right here. You're not being wise with your finances. You don't sow any kind of seed or put any offerings in. Come on, we've got to be smart with what we do have left over and be good stewards. You understand that the Christian life, it's all about management. The Christian life is all about management. God creates the earth and then he puts Adam and Eve in the garden to manage it. Oh, I ain't got time to mess with that. Uh, your whole life, God is wanting you to manage what he places in your hands for his glory. And whatever you do and whatever you say in eating and drinking, do it all for the glory of God. All right, I'm going to move on because y'all going to leave here in a minute after I keep talking about your finances. I'm just trying to help you. I'm just trying to help you. So this whole trust thing, though, here we go. I'm moving on. This whole trust thing is not limited to finances. You read the scripture. You read the script. Jesus is telling us here, if I can trust you, I can bless you. He says, if I can trust you, I can bless you. He says, if I can trust you with a mop, I can trust you with a microphone. Come on, somebody. Uh, come on. He's saying, if I can trust you with your finances, I, I, I can trust you with an instrument and a stage. Come on, somebody. He says, if I can trust you with your, with your girlfriend, I can give you one of my daughters. Come on. If I can trust you with one of my sons, who's a king, by the way, th then I can trust you with a, and give you a husband. Come on. If he can trust us, he can bless us if God can trust us when the church gossip calls us and we shut it down he might be able to trust you with that prophetic ministry that you believe in God for come on if he can trust you with the little things God can trust you with the big things anybody who is not trusted in what is little cannot be trusted with the big things come on if God can trust us this morning, I'm trying to tell you, if God can trust you, it becomes a key to bigger and greater things. If God can trust you, it becomes a key to bigger and greater assignments. If God can trust you, it becomes a key to greater anointings. If God can trust you, it becomes a key to greater revelations and kingdom impact. Come on, I'm trying to tell somebody today that if God can trust you, he can bless you. It's a key in his kingdom to develop and build trust with him so that he can give you more. God will not give you more if he can't trust you. Here's the next one, maturity. Maturity, Galatians 4, 1 and 2 says this. Now I say this, that the heir, as long as they are a child, does not differ from a slave, 
though he is master of it all, but is under guardians and stewards until the appointed time. Immaturity in the kingdom locks you out of things that God says is yours. Even though he is, he is an heir, as long as he's a child, as long as he's immature, he actually owns it all. But God puts you under stewards and under guardians until an appointed time. Come on. Whenever you are waiting on an inheritance, you own it all. It's in your name, but you do not get access to it until you grow up into a place of maturity. I'm trying to tell somebody today that you have a key and you're in charge of that key because you you are in charge of your development and of your growth. Come on. I've got a four-year-old, and guess what? He knows how to feed himself. Come on, somebody. And you're in charge of your growth and the mature and maturity in the kingdom of God. When you spend time in his presence, when you spend time in his word, when you spend time at the church, when you spend time growing in the things of God, it matures you. And when you walk in the level of maturity, you unlock what was locked. The problem wasn't that the prodigal son got his stuff. The problem was that the prodigal son got his stuff too early. <laughs> God is so, so good because he doesn't want to let you get your stuff when you can ruin it. But God is looking for some people that say, I want to grow up in the things of God. Paul put it like this. He said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. Come on. When I was a child, I talked like a child. Come on. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I responded like a child. I reacted like a child. But when I became a man, come on, somebody. When I became a man, I put away childish things. When I became a man, I grew up in the things of God. When I became a man, didn't nobody have to feed me on a Sunday. Come on. I was in the word on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. God is looking for some people that want to grow up in the things of God. God. Maturity will get you out of having to be babysat by stewards and guardians, and it unlocks your inheritance that is 100% yours. Next key here, perseverance. Y'all got, can you give me five minutes? Y'all got five minutes? Okay. Closing one. Just kidding. Perseverance. James chapter two, verse two. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, that just doesn't even sound right. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work in you so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says it's not only so, but we also glory in sufferings because we know that suffering produces, there it is, perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. So James there says trials and tribulations and the fire and the mess will test your faith. And when your faith is tested, it produces perseverance and perseverance develops maturity. 
Translation, when you develop perseverance, it gets you to a place of maturity. But the only way to get to perseverance and maturity is to embrace the trial and the fire and the tribulation and the junk and the chaos and the struggle and the pain. That is where you can learn to grow up when you stop responding like a child in the middle of your struggle and your pain and you start responding like a son and get to decreeing and declaring the word of God over your situation. This is the only way that we can count it joy. Why, Pastor? Because when we go through stuff, God uses it. When the world goes through stuff, that God doesn't use it. But with we, his children, he uses it. He is saying that the things that we are facing are doing something in us, not to us. He is saying that the trials and the tribulations of your life, they're doing something in you. They're not doing something to you. Let me tell you right now, my friends, the storm is not there to kill you. The storm is there to reveal you. Do y'all remember the story of Jesus on a boat? He's on a boat and the storm breaks loose and they wake up and they step up and say, God, do you not care? Jesus, do you not care that we are about to die? He wakes up from his little nap. He had a little pillow in the middle of the boat. He wakes up. He rebukes the wind and the waves. The Bible says that they worshiped him because they knew he was the son of God. Who is this man? that rebukes even the wind and the waves. The storm is there to reveal you. And there's that word mature there. When you persevere, it makes you mature. And when you mature, you unlock your inheritance that God has said is yours and has your name on it. Do you see how all of these keys and these things go together? Come on, some translations say perfect instead of mature. And let me break that down. Do you understand that God knows your frame? He knows that you came from the dust and to the dust you shall return. Uh, Psalm 103 talks about he knows your frame. He knows what you're made out of. God understands and knows that you are never going to be perfect. But do you want to know what is perfect in the eyes of God? A mature believer. A mature believer in the eyes of God is a perfect man or woman. Amen. And last thing here on this perseverance that we can't miss, Romans 5 told us that perseverance unlocks character. Perseverance unlocks character. So the trial produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character. Watch this. It unlocks revelation. We're talking about the keys, right? We're talking about perseverance. So perseverance uh, produces character. Perseverance unlocks character and character unlocks great revelation from God. Do you remember the story of when Nathaniel, the disciple, was called to Jesus? He's walking up to Jesus. Peter and his brother have went and grabbed him because they knew him. They, they, bring, him, they bring him to Jesus, and Jesus, as he is approaching, he says, Oh, wow, a true Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Do you know what guile means? It means no deceit. It means that he had high levels of character. He told Nathaniel, he said, I saw you under the fig tree. And when he says that, something is triggered. There's a revelation that is unlocked in Nathaniel. And he says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You are the one that we are looking for. 
I'm going to say something to the church. Sometimes we give Peter way too much credit. He wasn't the first disciple that recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. It was Nathaniel. Why does Nathaniel hear the voice of God before Peter had heard the voice of God? He had unlocked by his character revelation, and God told him things he hadn't told anybody else. Why? Because he could trust them. That's good, teach. Character shows God that you can be trusted. And when God can trust you, he'll show you things he ain't showing everybody else. (laughs) Sounds like perseverance and character are mighty important to us believers. Character is a kingdom key that unlocks revelation. And I'm saying this and I'm closing for real this time. Last key I want to give you is this, binding and loosing. Binding and loosing. Do you remember the text? Let's go back to our original text. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I'm just going to say this. What I'm about to say, it's going gonna, it's gonna to upset some Pentecostal, some third and fourth generation Pentecostal folks, but that's all right. I ain't scared of none of y'all. If you grew up in any kind of spirit field, Pentecostal, apostolic, whatever you want to call it as a child, you have heard this been said multiple times and for years. I bind you in the name of Jesus, devil. Devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And, and we've gotten so good with it, we, we can even sing it. Come on, somebody. I bind you in the name of Jesus. It sounds powerful and it sounds spiritual, doesn't it? It sounds authoritative. Can I just say, first off, the devil ain't messing with you. (laughs) It's quiet. I knew this was going to mess some people up. The devil ain't messing with you. He's not omnipresent like God is. He, He wants you to think that he is. But he's not God. He's not like God. He's a fallen angel. He was supposed to be a ministering spirit, and he rebelled in heaven and got thrown out like light, like lightning flash. It was over before it ever got started. That's how good and big God is. You pick a fight in heaven, it'd be over before it even starts. But the devil ain't messing. He's moving, maneuvering around in Washington. Come on, somebody. He moving, maneuvering around in the Middle East. He's the prince of the air. He, he's sending out his demons and his fallen angels and his minions with assignments. See, the devil ain't do nothing original. He only tries to reflect and do what God does in his dark realm, what God does in the light realm. So God has ministering angels and warring angels and, and ministering spirits that comes and does his work along with the Holy Spirit. And then the devil, he just tries to replicate that. So all he can do is be in one place at one time and send his minions and his demons with assignments to come and attack you and I. So here's the thing. We don't have to bind the devil. First of all, we've already read the end of the book. He lost. He's lost, right? But we need to understand the devil's not omnipresent. He wants you to think that, but he's not. He's the prince of the air. He only has those minions to give authority to. Now, don't take what I'm saying wrong and try to twist it up. I'm not saying that we can't bind the enemy and take authority over it. That's what the scripture told us to do. Or that we can't bind a demonic spirit or a demon. 
The scripture is indicating to us that you have authority and power to do this type of thing. But what I'm submitting to you is that this is not what Jesus is teaching us in this moment. Sure, we use the word as that and we can apply that. And I'm all good. I do. I, I bind the enemy. I bind a devil. Not the devil, but a devil. Come on, somebody. There's, there's one angel that's going to bind him at the end of the age, okay? We ain't binding the devil, okay? But you can bind the enemy. You can bind demonic spirits and entities that are trying to come against us. But I, I submit to you that Jesus is trying to show us something way deeper than spiritual warfare. What's the context of the scripture? Keys. What's binding and loosing? Locking and unlocking. When Jesus gives us this word, he is telling us, I'm giving you the keys. I'm going back to my father. I've done, did everything that I need to do. I've went to Calvary. I've went to the cross. I've shed my blood. I have paid for the sins of the world. I have now made you clean so that you can be a temple for the Holy Spirit. And just like he rested on my life, he's going to rest on your life. And you can take authority and power. And, and, and I am going to sit at the right hand of my Father, I've come to do everything that I'm coming to do, but now you're in the driver's seat and I'm handing you the keys. Whatever you lock up in heaven or you keep locked up in heaven will stay in heaven. Whatever you loose out of heaven by pulling out your kingdom keys to the doors that God has given us access to in the spirit realm, this is what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us, I've given you keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Everything is finished in heaven. And God gave us the keys to unlock what is there in eternity and pull it down into the earth. Caleb, play something for me. We're in the year 5784 on the Hebraic calendar. We're in the year of the open door. We're in the year of the new door. I'm telling you, all the way until next September, God is going to create opportunities and doors for us and going to place them in front of us. We've been talking about it for weeks. Some of these doors aren't going to open until you get there because they were designed and created for you. There were good works prepared for you beforehand, before you ever got here, that God needs you to do and accomplish. Some doors you're going to have to push open. He tells, he tells Joshua, I've given you the promised land, now go take it. <laughs> the door's there, push it open. Come on. Some doors come with enemies. David is anointed king in one chapter, and he's got to go fight the biggest giant of his life in the next chapter. Great opportunities, great doors, they come with opposition. Look, the devil going to do his job, y'all. Will you do yours? We've got to slay those spiritual giants that are trying to keep us from our great and effective doors. Y'all remember the verse, right? A great and effective door has opened up to me, and there are many adversaries. We're going to talk about this over the next couple of weeks, but I, I'm going to tell you, 
there's some doors that you just need to pull out your key. Jesus gave, gave them, he gave them to us. The keys to the kingdom, they're ours. They're in our possession. And he says, use them. So many of us are going to be stepping into some incredible opportunities over the next several months. But don't get discouraged when the door just doesn't open right up to you. Pull out those keys and use them. You need a financial breakthrough? Get some seed in the ground. You want God to trust you? Let him trust you with the little things so that he can give you the bigger things. Come on, you want to live a blessed life? You better start walking in obedience to the things of God and the word of God that he's called you to. Come on. Binding and loosing. Love. All of these are kingdom keys that God has given us to advance his kingdom in the earth and to pull what is finished in heaven into the earth. Amen. Come on, did that bless anybody today? I'm done. I'm done. I know we didn't have an altar call today like we normally do, but hey, that's okay. Sometimes the Lord shows up different, but I don't want to leave the room without giving an opportunity. Is there anybody in this place? We ain't got to do the whole head bow, eye closed thing. Come on. Jesus says, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my father. I know this wasn't a salvation message today, but the gospel is simple. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You put your faith and your trust in that. You confess with your mouth and believe your heart. The Bible says that you shall be saved. Is there anybody today that you say, man, I felt God's presence in this place and I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody here today? If that's you, just wave at me. Lift your hand, whatever. Is there anybody in the room that needs to get right with the Lord? So we all Christians here. We're all saved. Better handle your business with the Lord right now. If you need to call upon the name of Jesus, today's your day. We don't have time to waste. All you got to do is cut on the news and realize that there's a bunch of craziness out there and that the Lord is coming back soon. So I encourage us all, we need to be right with the Lord. We need to be right with the Lord. So we all believers in here. So you know what that means? You all have access to those keys that I talked about today. Use them, apply them, learn them, initiate. Walk in ambition to accomplish what God's called you to accomplish. Amen. Amen. Let me pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today. God, we honor you and give you all the glory and all the praise, Lord. You're so worthy of it all. And God, we give it to you here at the Legacy Church. Lord Jesus, you're so faithful. You're so good. God, help us to hide the seed of the word in our heart today, that it would produce a crop and a harvest. Lord Jesus, that these words would prick our hearts and that we would realize, man, I'm not a victim, but I'm a victor. I'm not a victim, but God, you've given me the victory. I'm facing a battle. There's a door in front of me, and it seems like it just won't open. But God, I've learned today that you have given me keys. And I shall use them and open the doors to the supernatural and to the provision of my good God. Lord, we just honor you in this place. Forgive us in the areas we have failed you, starting with me as pastor over this church, God. I'm, I'm just a man. Serving a perfect king. And Lord, I have shortcomings and I fail you and I fall. But God, in your grace and in your mercy, you have saw fit to allow me to do this. Lord, let me be a good steward of these people here at this church that you have brought here to do life with me and Kelsey. Lord, I do not take the office and the calling light 
of the pastorship that, Lord God, you've called me to this thing. And I want to honor you with everything that I say and everything that I do. Lord, forgive us all where we have failed you. We honor you and we thank you for your grace and your blood, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, can you give God a hand clap of praise real quick?